Good morning. Can we give one more round of applause for Jason and Calais for sharing that mo'olelo of laku oko'a? It's one of those things we, um, we don't understand. Sometimes we don't, like she said it wonderfully, we don't hear this history a lot, but the way that Jesus has worked in this islands longer than oftentimes we respect or we, un- we honor and we understand is really amazing. Um, so thank you guys for sharing that with us. And um, I love that she mentioned that Timoteo um, Ha'ilio was the guy who was sent from Kamehameha III to get the signatures to get Hawaii's independence, and he was battling tuberculosis. And I was reading some of it, and you know, his eulogy said that he was not unfamiliar with prayer. The guy who was always in prayer, he always had his Bible, he had his Bible in hand. This is a guy who had a spiritual journey. Even though his body was weary, he was fighting for what God had called him to do and to honor and love his king and his, his ohana here in Hawaii. So it's a beautiful story of hope, of what you can do when you trust the Lord in your weary world. Amen? What a powerful story. So this is uh, my heart. Is um, I don't know about you, but lately COVID has been accentuating my own weariness. Anybody else in the house that can attest to that? I can't. I have two. We have, uh, I, I realize there's the perfect storm that's going on. We have this pandemic of COVID-19, of shutdowns and relational isolation and fear and anxiety. And then we also have a cultural epidemic of busyness, of hurry, of, of overproductivity, of hyperspeed uh, innovation. And these two things, when combined, really have this way of draining our souls. Isn't that true? The rat race is a real race, and I think all of us are fighting it in some kind of capacity. And so what I want to kind of do is this next few weeks is really ask this, this question. For Christmas, what does spiritual rest look like? Spiritual rest. But before we talk about rest, we have to talk about why we need to rest. Um, Corey Ten Boom says this in a really interesting way. She says, uh, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Isn't that true? If the devil can't make you sin, he finds his way of making you di- uh, busy. And this is something we don't credit the enemy oftentimes with being smart enough to, if I'm able to say no to temptation in certain sin areas of my life, I'm still very capable of busying myself and distracting myself to what's really important in this life. Isn't that true? If you don't know who Corey Ten Boom was, she uh, was renowned. She was an author from the Netherlands, I believe, and, a, and um, she saved many, many Jews during the Holocaust. She was a lover of Jesus, and she recognized that when we slip into busyness, we slip out of the calling that God has for us. Now, not just her. Take a look at what Carl Jung says. If you have never heard of Carl Jung, he is a famous psychologist. He's one of the frameworks that have made our Myers-Briggs personality test. Any ENFPs in the house? That's this guy. Come on. So he says this. Carl Jung says, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Isn't that true? Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. And if you're like, wait a minute. It's good to hurry. Yeah, sometimes, Pastor Mark. Isn't it good? We're going to talk about that because this is one of the traps that we fall under is, un- is thinking that if I move quickly, if I move fast, and I'm overproductive, that God will somehow bless me. He's, f- he's proud of me. The faster I move and the more I accomplish. 
And we believe that here. As I say it out loud, everyone's like, no, that's not what God cares about. We know this. But there's something that we're wired. We've been assimilated to this culture of hurry that really drains our soul. And so lastly, um, another thought from Walter Adams, who was the spiritual mentor of C.S. Lewis. He says it this way. He says, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer, and it only impedes or spoils our work. It never advances it. Isn't this true? Look at Jesus in the Bible. Look at the pace that he walks, the tempo that he moves at. Jesus was easily distracted in the best way possible. If he was walking and someone would pull on his robe, he would stop. If, someone, if he was in the middle of a sermon and someone was cutting a hole in the roof and lowering a paralytic man in, he would stop and be in that moment. So here's the thing. is Our, our schedules demand things of us. They demand productivity. They demand deadlines. They demand that we get things done at a certain time. But oftentimes what's at stake is the kingdom opportunities and the kingdom moments that God deposits in our life. Those things are often sacrificed for the sake of a schedule. Isn't that true? So what would it be like to look at Jesus as the person who changes our pace, the person who changes the tempo by which we move and walk in this world? So we have, I want to show you uh, uh, the problem. Here's a math equation. This is the problem in my spirit, and I, I would imagine it's similar to yours. We have a couple things going on in the culture. Number one, we have this assimilating to the culture of busyness, that if I can busy myself, I'm an honorable person. How many of you guys, when you say, how are you to somebody, or you answer that question, say, how are you? Usually people say, what? Oh, I'm good. Just kind of busy, right? I'm just busy. I'm busy. And there's something like honorable about that. Like, oh, wow. Good for you staying busy, right? Then we do this. We honor people for filling up their schedules, most often than not, with unproductive, unfruitful things. But we say, good job. You filled your schedule. That's not the goal, right? So we have this assimilating to this culture of busyness that if I look productive, that if I keep moving at a quick speed, if I'm assimilating to this culture around us where we see things are getting faster, more innovative, sleeker, if you watch any Apple commercial, or like every year when new Apple products come out, what do they say? It's faster. It's sleeker. It's more convenient. But there's a huge irony that we're living in that as the world gets faster and more convenient, we still have this strange phenomenon where we have less and less time. Shouldn't it be the opposite? Shouldn't be technology be working to save me time? Why is it the more productive and the more efficient things get, the less time I seem to have? It's so It's peculiar. Then we mix number two, a part of the equation, the idolatry of productivity, that we've put God in the margins, that my time with Jesus becomes secondary to what my work is asking of me. My time of G with Jesus only works if I'm not in school, or if it only works if I'm not doing this, or when I'm finished what my, my job is, what my foremost kuleana is, then Jesus gets the leftovers. So we have this idolatry of placing the urgent above the important. And um, when we talk about tyrants in your life, if I asked who's the biggest tyrant in your life, who's the biggest dictator in your life, most of you would be like, well, the president or the governor or all these people that we like to say, these are this is tyranny at the, the X degree. 
I tell you this, this is true for all of us. The biggest tyrant in your life is the tyrant of your own urgency. It's the tyrant of your own sense of urgency. Because that is what drives you. That's what dictates your behaviors. It dictates everything you do in your day is dictated by the urgency that you feel compelled to in your heart. And my, the, what the, the heart that I want to bring out this morning is recognizing, man, this isn't actually of God. God is a slow-moving, slow-working, very cautious, prayerful, and powerful being. And when we blink, we miss Him. If we work too fast, we forgot to spend time with Him. And this is the kind of heart and spirit that I want to avoid as a church. Amen? So we assimilate to the culture of busyness. We idolize productivity. And if I can squeeze the most in my day, even if God gets squeezed out of the, the, the picture... I can feel good about myself, or God would honor that. It's false. The last, one is, the last one is this, is a lack of spiritual rest. A spiritual rest. And this is what I want to delve in, is what is this spiritual rest? So when we don't rest well, we're caught up in the idolatry of our own productivity, and we assimilate to this culture of busyness, and we feel honor in it, and, you know, and everything that's fast and efficient, we honor and value, and everything that seems slow and personal and, and, and intentional seems like, oh, that's secondary or it's a waste of time. We're burning daylight. We got to get through this. That's the attitude of our culture. So all these things make up a life of spiritual chaos that masks as productivity. It's masked as you are making a huge difference. You are doing what God has called you to do. These are things, these are lies that the enemy seeds in our head when normally when we look inside of ourselves, we're drained, and we're burnt out, and we're so tired. We're tired of everything. Isn't that true? I've been there. I don't know if you guys have been there too. And so God gives us good news. I have good news that will bring great joy this morning. Are you guys ready for good news of great joy? That will be for all the people? Jesus came into this world to offer us a solution to this very problem. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus, for addressing the real problems that we have in our life. Matthew 11 says this. It says, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Jesus. If you're carrying something heavy, man, if if, if we're going to be honest, I know that many of us have experienced loss during COVID, that we've lost family members, We've lost loved ones. There's burdens. There's emotional, relational burdens that we're carrying right now. We have work burdens on top of that. We have burden upon burden upon burden. And Jesus says, come to me who are weary and are carrying this heavy stuff, and I'm going to give you rest. He says this, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's not just your body that needs rest. It's not just your emotions that need healing and rest. It's your entire soul. Everything that makes up who you are needs to sit and dwell at the feet of God and just be like, Lord, give me rest. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Amen? What I always read this scripture, and I don't know if you're with me, I always read this as Jesus saying, give me your burdens which has some truth to it. There's other scriptures that point that way. But what he's saying here is something very different. He's saying what you're carrying is too heavy for you to carry. It's going to burn you out. 
Instead, take off your yoke, put on my yoke, because when you have my desires, when you carry what I carry, when you have what I have, when you have the power of God and you have the desires of God, he says this, it's the burden is light. My yoke is easy. This is a sustainable way to have spiritual growth in your life, is to not just take off, not just to give your burdens to God, but to take it off and to put his burdens on. And we say, well, what is, Pastor Mark, what are God's burdens? His burden is love. He very much cares that people around you feel the love of his presence in their life. His, his burden is peace. He very much values the peace that the God of peace would, would surpass all understanding of what we're going through. It's joy, it's hope, it's love, it's all of these things. So I want to share this same verse, Matthew 11, in two more two more um, variations, because I think they're worth reading just to get a fuller picture of what Jesus is saying here. In the message translation, it says this, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Amen? Anybody? <laughs> just pastors? <laughs> um, burnt out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Run away with me. Be with me, and you'll recover everything. Drop the world's agendas. Drop the world's expectations that you carry on your shoulders. Come carry my expectations, and it'll give you life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen? I want, to learn, I want to learn to live freely and lightly. It's beautiful. Now, there's one more translation. You guys need to hear this. You, I don't know if you're ready for it. <clears throat> the Pigeon Bible says them like this. You guys are ready. It says this. All you guys that stay working hard and carry heavy kind stuff that make you all wore out, try come. Come over here by me. I go and give you guys rest. Do you like the cows that get the yoke on tap them to pull the load? You guys going put the yoke on top. You learn for do what I stay teach you. I stay gentle, kind, and I like take care of other people before I take care of me. So no more nothing for bother you guys. Cause my yoke stay easy and my load not even that heavy. Amen. So good. Oh, shoo. I've been practicing, you guys. It's like three takes in the mirror. But here's the idea. God has given you a new burden. Amen. And when we say burden, it's we have bad connotations. He has given you the weight of his glory to carry, not the weight of your own sin, the weight of the world. He carries the weight of the world. Don't allow the, the expectations, the values, and the busyness culture that we are often so inundated with to burden your shoulders. He basically is saying this, guys, get out of the world and what they want for you. Come and join me in what I want for you, and I'm going to give you rest. Isn't that amazing? This is what's beautiful about this passage to me. He, he says, come and do this work with me. You will find rest as you work. It's a paradox. Come and carry this with me, and you'll find rest for your soul. So it's not just about stopping work all the time. It's about doing work that matters, matters for the kingdom of God, doing things that have value and significance for God's growing kingdom here on earth. This is the kind of rest he's talking about. So I want to just kind of 
punt this one home because it is so important that rest is at the center of following Jesus. You can't be who you were fully made to be without a proper spiritual rest. I believe that. I'll say that again. You can't be the man or the woman God fully created you to be if you're not properly resting. Think about it this way. Genesis 1. Man and woman were created in the image of God. In his image, he created them for the purpose of ruling and stewarding the way that God rules and stewards, to co-labor with him, to co-rule this world with him. Isn't that beautiful? He created us on day six. He didn't create us on day one. We weren't the first thing he created. We were the last. Why is that? He created us at the end of day six so that we could spend our first full day with him in day seven, Sabbath rest. We were born for the Sabbath. We were born to rest in him. Could you imagine if the creation story told it the opposite, where he, we were born, we were created on day one, and he said, look as, look as I create, I want you to create. Look how I created the world. I want you to see me work. We didn't see him work at all. We only saw him rest. This is the first glimpse we see of God, is resting in his creation, resting in his goodness. So this is where we are born as human beings. We are born to rest in him. Amen? What a beautiful calling. So rest is the solution to these things. But here's Jesus' words for it. So Jesus' solution for restlessness is this word called Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. Sabbath. We all know this word. It's a very churchy word. In Hebrew, it's Shabbat. It literally means to stop. Stop what the world is driving you to do. Be present with God. This is what it invokes. You ever read the Psalms and it has this word Selah or Selah in between the Psalms? It's meant to say it's a divine pause that when you're in between reading certain scriptures, you stop and you go, oh, wow, I stop reading so that I may marinate, I can chew on it, and that I can speak with God about what I've just processed. That's amazing. Sabbath is the same way. We work all week. We stop. We breathe. And we'd be like, ah, there you are, Jesus. There you are. He only asks one day of us. So we stop. This predates Jesus. It goes back to the garden that God himself would work six days and rest on one. And it gets redefined by Jesus. You remember the, when Jesus got the Pharisees mad because he told them, I'm the king of the Sabbath. I can break all the Sabbath rules if I want. And I remember that this picture is, always sticks with me is, when Jesus walks into the temple on the Sabbath and it says everybody's eyes shot to him watching what is he going to do because they know he's a rule breaker. It's like this guy's about to break the Sabbath. Let's trap Jesus. Jesus sees everybody looking at him, walks over to the guy with the deformed hand, makes a scene and says, everybody, look at this. Holds up the guy's hand and instantaneously it was healed. People go nuts. People are crazy. What? How dare you heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, what does he say? He says, first of all, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Second of all, what's better? What does the Lord honor more on the Sabbath? That a man who has been wounded be healed or that we obey the rules and the healing doesn't happen? It's basically what he poses to them. And they have to answer that question. No, the Lord is more honored by the healing. So Jesus redefines the Sabbath. He wants us to break rules of culture, rules of religion, rules that have been burdened on top of us that are distracting us from the real important kingdom things in this world. Amen? See it through God's eyes. Real Sabbath allows healing. 
Real Sabbath is when people are restored and rejuvenated unto him. So what might it take for you in your busy life to break some kind of rule? Right? What? Pastor's telling me to break rules. You, there's unwritten rules and expectations that you're carrying on your shoulders that I believe God might be saying, it's time to break that a little bit so that the kingdom value he's deposited in your heart might have room to grow. The people that he wants you to talk with and minister to, would, there would be time enough to do that. What rules are you carrying? What burdens are you carrying that's of the world's expectations? And how can you replace it for the yoke of Jesus? Amen? So he goes like this. So the, the Sabbath is this beautiful thing, and we're going to kind of explore this a little bit more. The Sabbath is a huge theme um, throughout the Bible. But here's three ways that we're really junk at resting. And if you're like me, this is where I, I catch myself. We stay junk at resting this way. Number one, we don't rest long enough. Did you know that before the invention of the light bulb, people used to sleep 11 hours a night on average? The average human slept 11 hours a night. Isn't that wild? Why? Because as soon as we invent the light bulb, we can stay up later. We can work a little bit harder. We can push the boundaries of our work culture. Right? And that leads to technology. We have computer screens open all night until 2 a.m. Any college kids in the house? Right? You know how this goes. You pull all-nighters and you feel accomplished when you wake up in the morning because you didn't get any sleep. It's like, how backwards is this? Number two is this. We don't rest well enough. So we might be resting a long time. You're like, oh, Pastor Mark, I sleep like 20 hours a night. Oh, amen. Good thing you don't get a job to go to in the morning. But doesn't mean you're resting well. You can be sleeping a long time. It doesn't mean you're resting well. Here's what we do. My, my wife and I catch ourselves on this all the time. Kids are in bed. Whew. I get like two hours before we got to go to bed. We're going to rest. What does rest mean? Boom, couch. Boom, big can of ice cream. Boom, Netflix. Done, right? This isn't rejuvenating our soul. And we've stopped and we've looked at each other and we're like, we got to do better than this. Like this isn't, I'm not going to bed at night feeling a little bit more in love with Jesus. You know what I mean? Because I watched Netflix and ate ice cream. That's the truth. And if we understand that real healing for our drained and weary soul comes from Jesus alone, we have to make sure every opportunity we have to spend with him, we're capitalizing. Yeah? And so are you resting well enough? Sometimes we often do this. We distract ourselves out of resting well. We think if we can cope with the day by shutting our brain off and moving into this like oblivious netherworld where you don't even know what's going on. We're like in this like half zombie mode watching TV. We fig find ourselves thinking we're getting rest, but it's a facade. All it does, and you, there's like stats on this, like blue, blue light rays from the TV and too much watching TV too late. All it does is increase stress and anxiety. It doesn't help. So we think we're solving a problem, but we're really adding to it. So we don't rest well enough. What does it mean to rest well in God's eyes? We'll get there. And number three, so we don't rest intentionally enough. This is my beef. And I, if you're in youth ministry, if your kids are in youth ministry, I probably ranted to you about this. Back in my day, Sundays was family day. How come you guys going football practice on Sunday? You know what I mean? And how come there's work? People, you guys like, people in our church are like, work on Sundays. I'm like, wait, that's a thing? You can work on Sundays? And I know some businesses have to stay open on Sundays and all that. But Hear me out. Back when I grew up, I remember a day where this was, even Christian or not Christian, Sunday was for you and your family. You spend that day, you stay at home, whatever your family like do, it was a true Sabbath. These days, what we've done is said, okay, well, church is on Sunday, 
So we'll squeeze our God time into this sort of hour and a half of the morning, and then we'll go to work, and then we'll go do these things, and we'll get back into busyness, and we've got to catch up for work for Monday. And here we are again, back in the rat race, not being intentional with the space and the time that God intended for us to really sit at his feet and be in his presence. So this is something we have, to, we have to wrestle with because it messes with our everyday lives. It messes with our schedules. But could there be a type of rest that God has asked us to do where it breaks rules and it breaks structures, but it, it brings us life and life to its fullest? I made a graph because I love visuals. Here's where we stay junk at resting. If your life is like you think your, your battery bar on your phone, yeah, this is battery far. Jesus says this. He says, I came that you might have life and life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. If I asked you guys to raise your hand, if you're experiencing life to the fullest, we might get like one hand, right? Most of us feel like there's still something missing in my life. It's not, I'm not living to the full capacity God has wired in me. So most of us live up to this line right here. Most of us get to here, and usually how we rest is I get burnt out, so I force myself to rest. Or I hit rock bottom, and I force myself. I go through something really hard, and it drains me so much, I have to now go to therapy, or I now have to talk think through things. And it's reactive to the burdens of this world, rather than being proactive and saying, I need to keep myself in good health. I need to keep my rest, my diet, all these things, my spiritual walk, my, my, the way I engage with the Word of God and in prayer, if we're not proactively doing these things, we rest out of reactivity. And so we kind of get to here and we think like, oh, this is the most rest I'll ever get. I'm only going to max out at six hours of sleep. I'm only going to feel, I love Rilla's testimony because she's like, God, I don't know if I'll ever feel you in a deep way, like feel your presence tangibly, but if you want to give that to me, I'd be happy to receive it. And he gives it to her. And I love that. It's beautiful. Most of us are fine with the status quo of, I might not ever know God that intimately. I might only be able to know him at a certain level, and I'll be stuck there. And God says, wait, do you actually believe this morning that God came to give you life to the fullest? The fullest is beyond you, what you can even imagine. That's what God is promising. He says, you want a rewarding, fulfilling life? Stay with me, and I'll give that to you. You think you know what that is, but I promise you, you don't. And so here's what happens, is there's life to the fullest, there's where we stop, here's what we're missing. We're missing out on love, joy, peace, a true sense of calling and belonging, intimacy with people and with God. We miss out on this, this time of intentionality and generosity and all these other things. My kids have learned this very pragmatically. A well-rested dad is the best version of dad. Amen? If dad is hangry, they're going to hear about it. Right? If dad is grumpy, and they call me out on it, they learn that word. So every time I'm grumpy, they, they actually bring me food. It's really cute because they think I'm hungry. I'm like, no, no, I can be grumpy and not hungry, guys. It is possible. But they think, oh, dad's grumpy. Let's go get him some food, which I love. I love that they go there. But here's the thing. Is a well-rested you is the best version of you possibly can be. That's who God has designed you to be as your best possible version. So it's a well-rested body where you feel rested and rejuvenated. You have energy to do things. Um, yeah, I can share all kinds of stories about that. It's about a, an emotional rest, that you're dealing with stuff of your past, that you're, you're addressing emotional problems that you've had, that you continue to have, you're talking through it, you're learning, you're growing, and you feel rejuvenated because now you feel that you can conquer things that seem to be out of your control. 
Rest does this to you. It brings the power of God into a place where you feel out of touch and out of control, and that's what drives anxiety. The anxiety of the world says, bear this burden, all these expectations, and you feel like, how could I ever accomplish this? It drives us to anxiety. Did you know that my generation, the millennials, 50% of them, 50% of millennials say that they have a level of anxiety or depression that they find debilitating in some way. It affects their job. It affects their family. It affects their relationships. I think because they're millennials, take it with a grain of salt, half of them are probably just whining. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. But here's the point. This is we are living in a fast-paced culture with technology growing, and there's no boundaries on how to use technology. We haven't spiritually created a distance where we can say, hey, we need to use technology this way, leave it on the side in these ways. We're learning as we go, but we're getting inundated so quick, information so quick, we're getting anxious. It's driving depression, and we're comparing ourselves, and we're comparing our lives to millions of people we can digitally see in the nether space of the Internet. So this is, this is something we have to really be at the feet of God in. and Be Jesus, who am I? Who am I to you? Could you bless me the way that, that you want to restore my soul? And if we spend that time with him, I promise the gift of God is eternal life that starts here on earth. It's eternal heavenly life that brings life to its fullest. So Jesus goes on and he says this in John 15. Here's his answer. This is Discipleship 101. If you want to follow Jesus and you want to do it well, not like some like half in, half out, I'm burnt out, God save me all the time. I actually want to do a good job following you. Here's his recipe. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. It goes on to say, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. It's when your life is producing a kingdom of God type of fruit. Not productivity at work, not statuses and labels that I can achieve in the workforce, not good grades on my report card. These are all okay things. They're good things. But what honors the Father? He, what honors the Father is that you remain in Him, and that Greek word talks about dwelling in Him. It's like you're actually walking inside of a life with Him. You're pitching your tent, and you're finding meaning and belonging, and you're living with Christ. You're in Him. You're remaining in Him. When you do that, you'll bear fruit. Your life is going to radiate love. It's going to have peace that surpasses all understanding. You're going to have a joy about you that people don't understand. Why are they so joyful? Look at what they're going through. And this is what life to the fullest is, if you really think about it. It's the ability to live on a human planet with brokenness, corruption, trauma, all sorts of disease, and yet say, it is well with my soul because I am one with him. He is in me and I am him. That is our fullest capacity of living. Amen? So this is what I want for us this Christmas season. This is what I've been praying about. Is God, how can we as a church be discipled to be people who aren't overwhelmed by the things of the world, but we put on a yoke that is not of this world. We put on a yoke of the kingdom of God, and we say, how can I carry what you carry? 
how can I have power like you have power? How can I have grace and generosity the way you have grace and generosity? This is the goal. So imagine with me that this Christmas, what it would look like for you to get rested, to put Sabbath back on the front burner. How would it affect your health? How would it affect your marriage, your work life, your parenting life? I can only imagine that the love, the joy, the peace, and the belonging that you find walking in your own skin on this Aina that God has given us is just going to rejuvenate your spirit and your soul and launch you into a beautiful season of discipleship. I imagine that that's true. Amen? So let's walk in that together. Let's bow our heads. If I'm going to ask you to stand, and the worship team's going to come worship one more time, and we're going to pray this just as a, as a family here this morning, that we would put rest back at the centerpiece of who we are as followers of Christ. Jesus, we thank you for this. We thank you for Shabbat. We thank you for the beautiful invitation to stop when the world says go. We thank you for the ability to slow down as you slowed down, to be patient as you were, not to strive and to find righteousness through the things that we do, but God, to find it in who we are abiding with. And so, Lord, I just pray for each one here. We know, Lord, that for many of us, we're very good at producing. We're not very good at being still with you. Jesus, would you teach us just to be still with you, to be patient and calm in the waiting, to wait upon you. We know that the weary rise up with wings as eagles when we wait upon you. So, Lord, may that be true in our spirit. God, I pray for the burdens that we carry right now, the things that are going to be hard to let go of, I pray, Jesus, that we would have the discernment to see what are the things of the world that I'm carrying that God might be asking me to put down so that I can carry a new burden, one of love and joy and peace. Lord, I just ask for um, clarity, Father, as we seek your face, as we pursue rest. May you give us this breath of life, this ha, that fills our spirit, that gives us vitality, that makes us feel that makes us love, that makes us care and be open and generous to people. Lord, that's the kind of love and vitality we want. So Jesus, for those of us who've never hit our full potential of rest, we haven't hit life to the fullest yet. God, keep us motivated. Keep us on the trajectory to see the fruit coming. I pray, Jesus, that this, the families represented here, the extended family and friends, Father, would be drawn into you as your presence goes out into this world through us. They'd be drawn back to you as our good creator, our friend, the, the branch that we abide in. Jesus, we love you. We just pray that you would start a new work in our souls. Give us rest. Help us to say it is well when on the outside it may not be. Jesus, give us the contentment, the peace, the shalom that you called us to have. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, 
uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.